Welcome to Box Talk, a podcast for affiliates and coaches, powered by Box Pro Magazine. Back in the 2017 March April issue of Box Pro, we had Kenny Kane grace the cover. Kenny made me laugh the entire time I talked to him for the interview. He cracked jokes, he said funny things, and it makes sense because, well, he was a stand up comedian for part of his life. However, Kenny also knows how to get serious. We talked a lot in our initial interview about the longevity of fitness and how he's training his members into mastery. And I wanted to release my initial interview with Kenny for that cover just to show you what his methodology is and how he as a business owner is making his business better every day. Although they recently rebranded to Oak Park, home of CrossFit Los Angeles, I still think what Kenny shared back in 2017 is prevalent today. So take a listen, have a laugh, and learn something new. I guess probably, honestly, the best place to start is I just kind of like to hear the backstory behind. I know um, you didn't necessarily found CrossFit LA, but I was kind of curious about how it started and how you came to own it. And I was going to start there. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Um, first of all, Andy Petronic started mm-hmm. something, obviously, before many other people were thinking about doing it. Um, and he was, he followed, um, you know, all the other crazy people that, that fell in love with this thing in the first part of the 2000s. And, um, so Andy at that time had a pretty full roster of personal training clients at a small boutique gym here in Santa Monica. What he did is he fell in love with the concept of CrossFit, started doing CrossFit with some of his clients, and then within um, within a couple months of, of taking the certification and so on, just made the choice to get a location, bring all of his personal clients over, and start developing CrossFit here in Los Angeles. And at the time, for the better part of five, six years, really, um, we've been in two locations. One was on um, Broadway, which is not, probably not the most significant thing for this conversation, but um, and only relevant to people who live in Santa Monica, and even so, unimportant altogether. But we've been in two locations, um, and he uh, he grew the business. Um, pretty significantly from 2004 to 2010, going through a lot of um, growing pains. I would say the market is way different now, but the but the growing pains are very similar to what people experience uh, in general uh, in the market at this point. Meaning, you get to a certain point and size, and students or coaches either break off and start their own gym. Mm-hmm. Or the market itself is growing. You know, for a long time, Andy had the luxury of being the only CrossFit for five years in LA. <laughs> like there was in, in a giant city. So people, there were some members that were driving. There's a couple circumstances where people were driving from 50 miles away. Oh my goodness. To do workouts daily at the gym because it was the only, literally the only thing. In town, the only group of people teaching it. So uh, that created a real interesting thing. And what Andy did is he realized that a lot of gym owners learned. Like he, he was struggling 
um, mm. for a lot of years because he didn't really have business systems. Mm. And then so he partnered with a, a guy who's got a background in um, like martial arts uh, businesses okay. who helped him kind of found something called the biz. And that was a model that hundreds of gyms started to follow as the market started to expand. And that was, it was basically a, a business model um, of how to, when somebody calls asking about CrossFit, everything from having a script that the person answering the phone does, and then a protocol when somebody walks in the door, follow up, all that wow. kind of stuff. So Andy was the first person to really systematize all this kind of stuff, like truly. And then he started teaching with John Birch, his business partner at the time, these workshops on how to put yourself in a position to successfully run a CrossFit gym because it's the, the mistake that everybody makes is they love CrossFit, but then they go to own the business and it's, mm-hmm. it's those are do different things. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it's, it's a, I think it's the hardest thing for everybody who's passionate about this stuff is that sort of realization that, whoa, okay, that's different. Um, and I love this thing, but I hate it. now, now I've got my first taste of hatred mm-hmm. <laughs> and hatred is, is like, I can't provide for my family. And it's just, mm-hmm. this thing is not, I'm trying to provide for my people, but I can't provide for myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, that's a real thing. So he developed these systems and, and, um, and ironically, those systems that he, so he and I started crossfitting similar sort of time okay. spaces. I, I, I had heard about CFLA, but I just was kind of doing crossfit on my own. And I was doing some personal training at the time and then also a um, little bit of group exercise coaching, but doing a lot of stand-up comedy primarily. Mm-hmm. At that, that was my, uh, my full-time living at that point. So my, my training okay. at that point was secondary. And, okay. and it's funny because the business systems and the high, what I perceived the high barrier to entry kind of kept me away because the membership was a lot. I was like, well, you know, I've been a professional coach. I was raised by a professional coach. Mm-hmm. I've been like fitness was our family industry. So I like, I have the mindset that I know it all and I don't uh, need that. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. And, okay. Yeah, so I just stayed away from CFLA for a long time. And then about 2008, I want to say 2009, somewhere in there, I I, ta- I, I walked in the gym finally. I did a workshop um, of some row seminar with them. I want to probably say 2008. Mm-hmm. Talked to Andy a little bit then. And then I came back a couple times. Talked to him a few more times and then just decided, you know what, I'm just going to join. Um mm-hmm. I, I need to do this with other people. At the time, those first several years, I was doing it with another trainer who has opened up different gyms. Um, and him and I were just sort of experimenting, just doing our own thing for a long time. And so I, I had a training partner. And it, we were doing it at the gyms, at the boutique gyms that we worked at and trained people at. Uh, together, we, we also had memberships to 24 Hour Fitness. And then we'd also go outside because it's Santa Monica and a lot of the stuff you could do outside. So we were just training with each other for years. So it, I didn't need, 
other people because I had a professional trainer that I was working with and I was a pro- so we had two sort of you know and I was like well what are these guys going to teach me at the gym that I don't already know and so there was just sort of like apprehension about the whole thing um, so you know that's that coming from that perspective is really you know and as I look to where I'm sort of at now perspective wise and I realized, man, one of the biggest mistakes I feel, and it's just my opinion, that the industry's made is like just not viewing this as much of a coaching relationship thing and more of like, hey, the workout is the thing versus, hey, the, the coaching of the workout and the relationship of it is actually the thing. And that's a little more sophisticated, but it takes a little bit more of a coach. So it takes it from a commodity to a relationship and, and there's sort of a, you know, cause anybody can sort of do a hard workout and anybody can group together to do hard workouts. But then are you getting a community experience and, and more importantly to me, a coaching experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm like really big on this coaching thing is that it's like, boy, without that, it, it's, it's kind of easy to do this stuff, uh, to put yourself in harm's way and put yourself in a, in a position to not make it sustainable where you're, mm. you know, looking at it as a, like a, almost like a martial art where you're, there's always something to work on, nothing's ever perfected, yeah. and that it's not always about metrics. And to, to try to develop past the ego of competition, and, and um, although that's great, it brings people together, it brings the best out of people, it can also destroy people. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a yin and a yang. It's not... It doesn't just, it's not just one thing. It's multiple things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So the community that you're like, what you, drew you in? You know, Andy sort of was. And then mm-hmm. the idea of doing it and the idea of doing it with people. And then as soon as mm-hmm. I joined the community, I was like, wow, I <laughs> really love these people. And mm-hmm. then it was, then it became equally if not more about you know my connection with um the community Hmm. you know that that's where it really started to evolve for me and then very quickly you know i was sort of positioned at the gym to coach the coaches because i had all this experience sort of coming in and that's one of the reasons why um sometimes experienced fitness people or experienced crossfitters like, well, I don't need a gym. I just need to do it on my own. Uh, it's because you just sort of have that sort of, um, you, you sort of have that that relationship that's just sort of like, I got it, I got it. Mm-hmm. But what you miss is actually coaching. You know, now we've developed so far. But when I came in as a student, it was very easy and very quick for me to become the coach of the coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And so yeah. that's when, so that's when the relationship started. We, we, you know, Andy and I had no idea at the time that it was going to mm-hmm. go the direction that it did. Uh, meaning that, you know, I, I would eventually be in a position where we'd think about buying a gym. I had because my uh, because I had come from a family business of fitness. I was like. Mm-hmm. Fitness is a pain in the ass as a business. Like I, I grew, I grew up in it, and I'm like, this yeah, is a, this is a, you know, and mm. it's ironic that I'm, I'm back where our family started. 
That's hilarious. That's so funny yeah. that you had the mentality of like, it's, it sucks. <laughs> and here you are doing it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like I knew like people were buying and starting CrossFits left and right. And in my head, I was like, Oh, gym business. Jesus. Mm. Like, you know, and I was in, I was in a position, I was in a luxurious position of being a successful enough personal trainer, not to, when you're just a PT without allegiance or responsibility to like, uh, to, to people other than your, 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 just your clients, it's, you can make really good money and you, you it's, it's, it's a somewhat stress-free um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very stress-free sort of life. Mm. Um, in that it's, it's you, just you, you and you have to just do what you yes. need to do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the downside is that you're always working for an hourly and so you're mm. stuck on that. And so mm-hmm. if you have like a down month and you're not prepared for it, boy, that can really, that can really set you sideways. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's the stuff that was, that's the stuff that was tricky is what happens when it, when it does go sideways or whatever. Interesting. So then how did you come to own CrossFit LA? If you had that whole mindset and then you get, finally get in there and you're like, oh, this is pretty great. So how did you finally come to own it? Well, um, like I said, I, I came in and almost immediately within a year or so I was coaching the coaches, um, for, the CrossFit Games, which we went to in 2011, had a decent regionals campaign in 2012, and then decided with Andy, like, we don't want to be a competitive gym. Like, this is not the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, so so five years ago, we made the choice, like, no, we can't, we can't continue to move our community in that, in that direction. Okay. So you consciously made that decision not to go that way. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, it was intentional. And I sat down and he go, and what was happening is that 2011 was electric. We, I, I, I say that we bottled lightning in 2011 by going to the games. And it was a very amazing, emotional, wonderful team focused environment. And by 2012, the grind of training for what was literally becoming a legit sort of sport was Nobody at our gym was actually, there was only one person who down deep and fundamentally was all about, like, wouldn't mind training three hours a day. Mm. And then basically everybody else was like, dude, this is terrible. Mm. Um, so we were, we were, I, I was coaching people into, into sort of exhaustion and people were kind of, they were just sort of beat up mm-hmm. by the whole experience. Yeah. And so, so then we, we make that decision in 2012 and then I stay on. Um, and then what happened is I, I developed this programming um, methodology that was like more of like a test retest sustainability, longevity, and sort of um, self-mastery concept. And we've been doing that since 2013. 
doing three cycles per year. And you and I have talked about that before, mm-hmm. but we've been doing that for the last four years. Um, and, you know, so it sort of left me in a position as, quote, head coach, if you will. Okay. And I started running the coaches development program a few years ago. Uh, as Andy started to transition and focus on the whole life challenge. And he was at that point just getting, you know, frankly, just burnt out and tired and mm-hmm. didn't really want to run the brick and mortar business of the gym. He had developed something else. Um, so many amazing things have come from this gym, like, you know, the whole life challenge, the biz systems, mm-hmm. which worked until it didn't work. Uh, you know, you know, since him and uh, John Birch have, you know, separated their, or that was like five years ago, whatever they separated, four, four, five, five yeah. years ago, I think they separated. But like, um, but at the time it was a really cool thing. And, and, you know, Becca Borowski was here at one point. She was the mm-hmm. uh, head editor of, of Breaking Muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had, and then all the, all the amazing coaches that have come from here to start their own gyms, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like this tree of really amazing people have come from here to go do things that are helpful in the space. You know, two of our former students created Caveman Coffee. Um, you know, oh, that's cool. out there. And then there's, you know, there's all these, like, people that are going on. Um, Armin Hammer was, you know, one of the first students here, and he helped me to create the Wadcast podcast, you know. And so mm-hmm. it's like, it's interesting. Just the, the roots of the gym are, are so deep and and – Maybe it's just because we were lucky, time and place, first, literally first adopters. Um, but the, 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 the organic transition for me to buy the gym just sort of evolved. Andy was starting to get to a point where he was tired. He's looking around like, what do I do? I'm looking around like, I, you know, I had a couple of different opportunities. I had one that I looked at a couple of years ago to work with another personal trainer who works with a lot of premier soccer league players. And so, you know, it would have been a really financially lucrative um, thing for me. I could, you know, been making like close to 200 K a year working with, you know, high level um, soccer players and, and basically, um, you know, um, um, the uh, sort of Saudi rich, um, wow population that pays in cash, you know, and just like the money's so crazy. It's like $500 an hour and that kind of stuff. And I think it's cash, you know, and so it's just sort of like, you know, and so it, yeah. and I, and I had a really good, and I almost went that direction, but it just didn't feel right. And so something kept me here and, and it was a combination of just wanting to be here, loving the core of the community really appreciating what Andy had cultivated. And so by the time he came to me and said, Hey, I think I'm open to selling. Would you be open to buying? It was a very organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems to make sense. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've, I, oh. it seems to be our family tradition to be in fitness mm-hmm. um and coaching is part of our genealogy my family genealogy so 
And not that it's like fulfilling family legacy. It's just sort of like, you know, interesting. Like, well, back here again. And, uh, I love it. It's like full circle. You came full circle. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally came full circle. Wow. And, and so it was a big evolution um, from me. When I was a teenager, I would read magazines like Box Pro that were sent to my mom's business from, I think it's an organization called OSHA, which is, no, not OSHA, it's uh, URSA. Yep, which is Ursa. In, in, so you know Ursa. If you belong to it, they had all these different mm-hmm. kind of publications that you could join, and so we would get all kinds of articles. So I was reading like fitness articles on, you know, why to do Nautilus, you know, <laughs> and like all this mm-hmm. stuff as a as basically a teenager, and a resistance training and all this kind of stuff, and and. You know, that was my upbringing. I wasn't interested in it in school, but I was always interested in it at home. So it was very organic, like just reading about everything from nutrition to anatomy was always something that I just habitually did as a teenager unsolicited. And so I sort of got my sort of hard science fix by looking at that stuff, looking at anatomy books when I was a kid and I think I got a lot of my basic understanding just from literally a partial osmosis being around my mom who was coaching. And then, and then, and then by the time I was 18, my mom was just going, Hey, we bought this exercise machine. You got to teach people how to use it. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, we got all these, we got 500 members and you got to start teaching them, you know, how to use the, use the equipment. I'm like, okay. So that was my introduction to, basically personal training like that's so funny <laughs> yeah and there's like these wow. great there's like really cheesy certifications that you can get back then there's like aerobic certification these like really chintzy little things like that didn't mean they didn't mean anything you know and I, I, like anyway so so that was kind of like the start of some mm-hmm. of it I, I was coaching karate like I was, I was a black belt by the time I was 15 so when you're a black belt you have to teach and then oh, I was yeah. coaching, yeah, when I, was, when I was coaching soccer at like 14, 15 as well. So I'm 45 now, so it's like my first coaching experiences were at the dojo and on the soccer field. So, um, you know, I was coaching under 12s, so I was only a few years older than the kids that I was helping to coach, but they put me in this like assistant to these kids, Roy Gamitter, who was a better soccer player than I was, he wound up playing for the national team. So and this weird thing of being a, a teenage coach to a kid who's like 10 times better than me. It's <laughs> just like, this yeah. is but you know, um, you know, but those were, those were initial experiences, um, of, um, of training. And then I was training myself as a teenager. I'd, I'd get up and ride my bike to the gym or run to the gym, which is two miles away, and just learn from all the all the sort of um, meatheads. There was a meat, classic meathead gym, just iron, iron kind of gym. And these guys were like, a lot of them were roided out. I was just some teenage kid just in there, like doing bicep curls and bench press. And, you know, just like watching them, and I'd go back and do my own thing. And um, after school, I'd, I'd wrestle or go to track practice or go to soccer practice or all, all three, and then, you know, we got a heavy bag at the gym or in our garage, and I I do that at night. So I was kind of training like you know four or five hours a day just as a teenager, and then you know it's kind of cool. 
And yeah. so the point is to all of this is that by the time Andy Andy was asking me, "Hey, are you interested?" I had I had already been retired from stand up for a couple of years fully. Like I made a conscious choice. Like I'm no longer putting myself in a position to work as a stand up comedian anymore. Um, it just it just you know the coaching responsibility started stacking up again mm. and it was like well I was the natural person to, to buy the gym like I understand I understand the nature of the gym business and that it's like really important to be stable during rough times yeah. and think think long term and I also understand that there are going to be points where members are upset or people are upset and you just got to kind of take it on the chin and go that's part of the deal and people you know it's like being a it's like being a parent you know you're mm-hmm. you're you're trying to think about what's the best thing overall and in the meantime you know some of your people are having tantrums about why is there one whiteboard instead of six whiteboards or whatever the thing is why is it <laughs> why is it blue paint instead of purple paint and you're yeah. like I, I don't fucking know actually like <laughs> is it actually important or is it only important to you or you're yeah. saying it's important to the is it, it's, it's important to the community, but you're speaking on behalf of 250 other people. When is that ever true? Like, mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're always lost. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I'm, I'm back to being lost forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so interesting. So it, was it just a really, like, once you guys decided, like, yes, I'm going to buy it from you and yes, I'm going to sell it, like, was it just a really organic transition into Support Andy. Yeah, wow. That's, that's, I was going to ask you, like, if there were any challenges in that transition, but it sounds like you guys were already on that path. No, no. Andy and I are, like, here's the thing. I'd seen Andy go through it several times over the last decade. I would see him lose team members or coaches to go on to start other gyms. And initially, that pissed the fuck out of him. I mean, he's a former mm-hmm. Marine who's five foot eight who's a badass and who is by his nature pugnacious. So he would look and feel that and just go, screw this, you know, screw those people, you know, and these, and those people would go screw him. And it would just, you know, and then ev- eventually after a year, everybody would like kind of put their guard down and go, I love you. You're great. With, without each other, we wouldn't have been great. You know? Um, yeah. And exactly. I, I sort of watch, I'd sort of watch from two paces back because one of our, one of the big gyms in the neighborhood was started with some of the coaches who were here. And so it's like two or three of them left to go help start this other gym. And I was kind of like working out at that other gym as well periodically and, and even helped with that gym a little bit as it got started. Oh, um, you know, I'd coach some classes for them when the, when the, when the couple that opened it, um, you know, they they were like, hey, we want to go skiing. Can we give you the keys and can you run a couple classes? And I just did that because, you know, I love CrossFit. I, and, and to me, I was always like, look, it, you know, they're in Venice, we're in Santa Monica. It's not, it's not actually competition. It's like this mm-hmm. is a city of 20 million people. It doesn't really, it's, it's you know, different things for different people. So, um, hmm. but, that, you know, I, I was... And at those stages, very unthreatened by physical fitness. I was like, look, there's, there's space for physical fitness for everybody. Um, you know, there, there really is. Uh, and I understand, you know, 
that that paradox of of being a gym owner and then people go to do their things or if your members go to another gym it's that's not always the easiest thing but I also understand it's like in the end it's about people finding the best fit for them that's it it's not it shouldn't go beyond that mm-hmm. yeah no. anyway so as he came to me it, it seemed to be the right time in both of our lives for him to sell and for me to buy. And he continues to coach here. So he's still coaching, you know, a couple classes per week and just loves, he loves coaching. So, you know, he stays on as a team member who, um, you know, and is a very trusted, like I really value and will always value his perspective because he's got, what only a handful of people in this entire space have. And that's a, that's at this point, 13 years of experience. Yeah. In CrossFit, like there's not, there's there's not many people that have that much business experience in the, in the realm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. He still teaches at the gym now. Yep. And I'm real proud of that. That to me, no, that, I think like, that says a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you get a guy who he, he, there's no reason he needs to coach, he's got, he's got a, a full life outside of here with his family and with his other business. It's very big. He doesn't need to be a part of and he, you know, he doesn't need to do it, but he continues to do it. And that, that's something that, you know, and, and maybe he'll do it. Uh, six six months, maybe we'll do it another six years. But he's he will always be a part of our community for as long as he wants to be because he's an, he's sort of an honored kind of wise man, if you will. Yeah. Well, I think that even turns to what you're saying about it being so organic and just so natural. Like it doesn't it isn't weird, you know, for the previous owner to come back and work there. It's just it's just natural because it was such an organic transition. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a you know, I, I I wish that other gyms could sort of, as the sort of animosity sometimes happen, mm-hmm. you know, that's one thing that I think Andy and I have done a good job of, like, um, navigating this and, and having it be very respectful and very loving um, yeah. versus... Uh, you know, saying everything right publicly, like, yeah, you know, we told it, it's, it's all good. And then just kind of like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, and it really seen yeah. through somebody's bullshit and going, you know, these, these guys hate each other. You know what I mean? Like, that, yeah. and that happens a lot in this space, mm-hmm. and that bums me out. You know, mm-hmm. it just, it gets that. But Andy and I also have, between us, interpersonally, we have pretty advanced communication, which helps. Mm, yeah, as you can communicate well, that solves a lot of problems. Um, yeah, yeah, and him and I are on when, when we're together and when we need to get direct with each other. Um, we're very able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that makes it interesting. So, and also, Kenny. So, with all this, like it happened, you you took over the gym in 2013. You had said, and then about that same time, you you started like. Moving over the, the no, I, I didn't. I, I no, no. I, I took over the programming and the head coaching, basically by 2013. So I was more or less okay. the head coach 
2010, 11, 12, okay. because I was coaching the, I started coaching the coaches going from 2010 into 2011, into the game season for 2011, into the open season. Okay. So I was, I was coaching everybody from Andy to all the other coaches who, you know, some of them are still with us and some of them are owners of other gyms at this point. Okay. So it's like, you know, I was coaching them at, at that point. And so it's just, but I did, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to take over the gym. I, I didn't want anything. I wanted to coach higher level people, but I didn't want to fucking, I, I didn't want to get back in the business, like the full mm-hmm. responsibility of it. Cause I understood it. You know, I grew up yeah. in it. I'm like, ah, yeah. But you did, and now you're happy, so that's good. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so. A hundred percent. No, and 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 there's and there part of it was, you know what? I've created this methodology. Mm-hmm. I need to be the owner of a brick and mortar place that not in the short term, but over the long term, endures a very tumultuous, rough market environment by its very nature and if in the end i'm able to say look our sort of principles of self-mastery over time testing and retesting the physiology and adaptations but also thinking about how to grow personally through the experience of physical training that's the ethos that we're trying to communicate with time. And we're doing that successfully, not in the first year, three years, five years, but like, hey, can this business survive on those principles mm-hmm. over five, six, seven years? And that's what I'm really interested in. I mean, it's, it's more of like, hey, do, do the things that I believe in really have evergreen qualities that make them durable when the market's going to be generous and when the market's going to be ruthless. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's this sort of interesting challenge. It's a big, big picture, more philosophical challenge for me. And I'm willing to take the risk of, of failing financially, um, on one hand, because like in the end, it like I like I, I really think that the principles that we're operating from are less about cheapening the experience or commoditizing the experience or making it not a relational experience or making an experience where the students aren't you know there's, there's this plateau that people hit where. Physically, it's like they may or may not be challenged by what you're offering them. But then I think the real growth and the real opportunity for coaching exists in the sort of space beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about it at the Box Pro Summit, like sort of what is behind the second dimension of the work as you look at it on a whiteboard. If you sneak behind there, there's this experience of a human being and if you can tap into people, people like understanding like, oh, look, I can, I can control my intensity at will. And I don't have to be egotistically driven when somebody next to me is going hard. And it really is a day where 
I don't need to be going that hard. Rather, I need to be sort of honoring myself where I'm at so I can come back and fight tomorrow and the next day and three weeks from now. And therefore, four months from now, because I've got this built-in habit of going hard some of the time, feel those adaptations, and to develop that mental toughness and that grit and that competitive spirit, and just the opposite of that, that, that softer side that, that, that needs rest, resuscitation, recovery, mindfulness, you know. And not that those, they're not, they're not exclusive, but it's like you need to be prioritizing those things, I think, experientially day-to-day a little bit more than, than you know, the general market has done, I, I feel. Because I just say that off of our own experience. Like what we've done in the market is like, you know, I, I bashed people apart in 2010, 11, 12, and then figured out, no, 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 we gotta we got to undulate this a little bit more. Yeah. And so as we look at the, you know, the long-term scope of the business, you know, I view it as a very long thing, not not this, like, thing to be mm-hmm. won, you know, th- these small, like, minor things to be won daily. Like, it's like, well, try to keep the bigger picture in scope as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that all now comes from like what you had mentioned before. I just want to clarify, like with the, the practice days and the competition days and teaching context, that, that all comes together to to look at the gym in a larger scope. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah. Okay. Let's make sure I have that done. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about like sharing with your membership and your coaches and your staff, you know, that, that similar mindset behind the practice days, the competition days, the context, like how do you get that into your gym and into your culture? Well, let me just say this, like what I've learned about me communicating that is that it's been a far from perfect process, mm-hmm. meaning that when we un- like unveiled it at the beginning in January of 2013, it was this very revelatory thing that people quickly gravitated towards because it, it allowed this distinction of like, okay, today we're working on some things and then tomorrow we're going to go at things. And those are different, the sort of different experiences. Now, the sort of nuanced aspects of that, I've, and I, the way that I've told the coaches about this, as I said, you know, this may be a 20-year experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got members that have been here 10 plus years. So, you know, a lot of those people will continue to be with us for 10 more years. So maybe we'll know in 10 years, hey, did this thing really sink in? Because what we're, tr- mm-hmm. what we're talking about are things that take a long time to learn. So, like, for example, practice days require a lot of discipline, this weird combination of discipline, playfulness, <laughs> mindfulness, the ability to slow down. And, you know, those aren't exactly qualities that you attribute to sort of traditional, all right, this is the CrossFit workout. We're going to go out there. We're going to go out hard. And we're going to yield intensity. And that's the independent variable that we're all after. 
And so, um, not again, not that the qualities that I just mentioned are exclusive to intensity. It's just harder to keep them in front scope when you're going fast and hard. So the idea is, you know, kind of work on the stuff enough so that when you go fast and hard, the, the tools are, are, are there and you've got, you've got them equipped a little bit more. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that that all is what the mastery method is. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can send you some additional. I've got some. Uh, it's part of an ebook. If if I mean, I can send it to you to kind of help support this um, this article because it's really it's super com- comprehensive and very deep. Um, and I think it could help you. It's 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 pretty well written, and if you read through it, you can kind of pick and choose yeah. some of the content from our ebook. No, that that, uh, that would be, that'd be great. Just so I know I'm, I'm grasping it correctly, and I have kind of like that resource to no, go off of. So to- totally, and we can have more yeah. conversations too because you're going to read it. You and I have already had some pretty engaging conversations, but I mm-hmm. think you'll read this, and you're going to want to go. Ah, uh, yo, let's let's talk a little more deeply about this. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just think it's it's like really helpful stuff for people who want to deepen their their coaching pro- practice mm-hmm. and their longevity experience mm-hmm. with their clients. You know, that's the one thing that we we do have is we have generally very high levels of retention, and that's that's not by that's not accidental. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's crazy. And I remember, like like you just said now, in a prior, in a previous conversation we had, just when you were telling me that you've had members for, you know, eight plus, ten plus years, I'm like, that's, that's unheard of. First off, how many gyms have been around that long? But that's just incredible that people have, have stayed and have been honestly well enough <laughs> to continue doing CrossFit for that long. Right, so, right. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Within that population, we've also seen that we kind of got it wrong, meaning that at one point, our conversation, our sale to these people, the value proposition was elite fitness. Like, that's what we literally had on our T-shirts. That's what we had on our hoodies. And that's what the CFLA brand meant certainly the first five, six, maybe even seven years. This is a school of elite fitness. So there's a certain machoism associated with that and that was defined as you know can you do all these workouts rx and it's like well okay now and the road to getting there wasn't necessarily the cleanest because everything from assessing people's qualities to former injury pathologies to you know, because you take a middle-aged person who started with us at 35 years old, they're now 45, or maybe they started with us when they're, you know, 40 or whatever, and now they're 50, and we've got tons of people like that. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're having them do CrossFit three, four, five times a week. Okay. And some of them are a little bit busted up. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where I was looking at what we were doing and what we were doing wrong. Yeah. And, and something was getting lost in the translation of, you know, the, 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 um, the trainer certifications do an amazing job. The L1, 2, 3 course, they're, they're like, they do, it's amazing what they can communicate in two days. Um, as far as, look, there's, you know, and, and the principal thing is, is this scalable idea. But, like, what really happens in group classes? Do people actually get, quote, scaled to what they need? And that's different gym to gym. But the problem is, is if you haven't been, and I don't even like to use the word scaling. I like Sean Mansell's idea of the word progression, so replacing the concept of scaling versus progression. And he has a mm-hmm. pedagogy of, of movements that you start from. And so you basically go, okay, can't do a squat. You start with a lunge. I can't, you got your lunge mastered. Okay, now go to a box squat. Got the box squat mastered, go to the squat. And that's just a basic example of one of his progressions. And I look at that body of work that he cultivated, and we, we winded up doing that the last four years, just going, oh, shit. Some of these people can't even, like, if you say, show me a lunge, their basic proprioception going through a lunge is shaky. Like they put one foot in front of, yeah. of, the, of the other, and the knee caves in. All the weight is on the ball of the foot. Knee is going way over the toe. No, no, no mass is in the heel. Uh, core is not on. Shoulders are folded forward, and they're like like this, right? And you're going, how long have you been with me? Eight years? Fuck. Oh shit, we missed, we missed some stuff, and. We've always been known as a school that is really disciplined on form and coaching, and yet we still missed a lot of that. We missed it. How did we miss it? Well, we put people into group classes. We made it ego and metric driven solely. The definition was elite fitness. That's what that's what we sold people. They felt badass in doing it because. You know, they weren't doing things that other people, their friends, they were doing workouts that their friends couldn't even think about doing. Mm -hmm. And they either felt really good doing it or they would fuck up a shoulder or fuck up a hip. And as a business owner, and I I said this at the Box Pro Summit, Summit, as a head coach, as a business owner, what we're doing is we're dosing people. Mm-hmm. We're, we're giving, we're literally giving people drugs. That's what we're doing. So all of our businesses in CrossFit and in fitness, doesn't have to be defined as CrossFit, but it's certainly CrossFit's very effective at dosage mm-hmm. or like getting the, the, the endocrine system to work. So if we're dosing people and we're over dosing people, without consideration or conversation to the greater health, assuming that their movement mechanics and their own competitive interests aren't getting the better of them, we put ourselves in a bad position. And that's what I'm saying that, like, you know, one of the things that at the gym is that we've done a lot of things right, we've done a lot of things wrong. And one of the things that we've done wrong is allowing people to go too far, too fast, too intense. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I feel like a lot of gyms do that. <laughs> I don't think it's just you. Well, that's that's why we created the mastery method mm-hmm. as a solution to that. Because in that context-rich environment, you can have a different conversation. So you change the you, – you shift what was formerly the priority, the workout, the intensity, to, hey, this is one small piece of a longer conversation. If you're fighting for the 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 moment, um, you may be shooting yourself in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of this is teaching people how to play the longevity game and still get what they want, which is that intense. Often, what people want is that intense, rigorous rogue, tough experience. But, you know, that also takes a lot of disciplined sort of work to get there that isn't always built on intensity itself. It's movement and mechanics before intensity. Yeah. And that's lost all the time. Like, And look, I'm critical of the market because the market fucks up our value. So people go, cross it hurts people. I was like, oh, my God, like, we can never stay in front of that. Mm-hmm. And the pugnacious attitude of, of crossfitters in general, I don't know if that helps or hurts that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it doesn't go fuck yourself. Well, no, I think sometimes CrossFit actually, the way that we practice it actually does hurt people, whether that's a gym's fault, a coach's fault, the client's fault. Whatever, it, the mature conversation to have is, fuck yeah, some, sometimes we screw up. And, and, and we've got to be accountable for that. And we've got to, like, it, it's not about CrossFit being right or wrong. It's about, like, evolving the dialogue to go, look, there's stuff that can jack you up. If you're a little bit younger, you may have connective tissue and joint that allow you to do do it four or five, maybe even six days a week. Um, if you're a little older, maybe that's not the case. Regardless, you know, the whole master method concept that we're employing here is, hey, can you undulate your mental experience day-to-day at will? Or are you somebody that is only controlled by the temptation of a hard workout every time you come in. And hard meaning fall on the floor, you're bent over, it's like your system's totally like tested to its limit. But I would say that sometimes, you know, taking tests requires a little bit of preparation. And sometimes the preparation can also be done best under an environment or in an environment where intensity isn't the priority, rather skill, virtuosity, mindfulness, those things that I mentioned earlier in the conversation mm-hmm. are more of a priority. And again, Heather, I say this, like we, we did things right. We did things wrong. And mm-hmm. we're, we're the thing that's giving us sustainability in the market is that we grow from it. Mm-hmm. Like we created this whole mindful methodology going, 
Look, we love CrossFit. We love it. Comma. Let's bring awareness to it. <laughs> Let's think about it in a, in a way that's relevant to your human experience day to day. Hey, most of the time you should practice. Like, really, like a team that plays a sport, practice your sport. And your sport is movement. And is anybody's movement perfect? Anybody's in the world. No. Some people look damn good, but it's never <laughs> perfect. So there's, so there's always something to work on. All right, cool. Come on in. Let's work on it. Oh, today's a game day. It's a competition day. Let's go. Now it's time to let's let it let us let it rip. Mm-hmm. Let it rip. You know, mental toughness yeah. day. Let it rip. Hey, things are gonna get shitty today. Who are you when it gets shitty? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that mindset of like the practice days and then like the game day slash competition days. I just think that's so cool. That's interesting. It's it's funny. Like we're starting to get. I'm getting texts from um, gyms and our coaches that are using it using it more and more. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's both. It's this weird thing when you're the first person when you're the person that created it. It's awesome. Because it's like, uh, you know, what do they say? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's that. But then there's also this, like, hey, there's a lot more to it than just calling it a practice day, competition day, and mental toughness day. And that, that's the stuff that I'll send you. And that's the stuff that, for our coaches specifically, takes the most growth. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. where the gravy is in our program. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, along with your coaches, I know you said in the in the questionnaire that um, it's really important to um, be at the place where thoughtful, caring meets discipline, which is just kind of where all this is coming coming in. And I was just kind of curious, like, how do you teach your coaches that as well? Discipline. Um, how to be thoughtful and, and caring. Oh, like along with discipline, like how, like how do you teach them that balance? You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, it's a listen. I mean, the, the only thing is, is you're never on balance. So it's like balance is defined by being off balance in this environment. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, you have to, as a coach, with this thing, it it's to coach. The mastery method requires to me. A lot more than going, hi right, guys, here's the workout, um, here are the performance points, we're gonna do a general warm up, and, uh, we're gonna go in about 12 minutes. Like, there are days where we coach like that, that can be like a competition day. Mm-hmm. But the practice days require like the, attentiveness to all those small little nuances and details. And that's not an easy, it's not easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so how we do that, like, let me, let me try to get the question correct. Like, are you, are you asking how the coaches coach 
discipline and practice. Like I'm, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out like how because you're so passionate about the mastery method and, and and you know the ideas behind all this. I'm just trying to figure out like how do you impart that wisdom upon the people who are also teaching your members? Like how oh. do you coach them to coach? You know this way where they're thoughtful and caring, but they also have discipline where, where they yeah. can teach practice days, game days, because while you know it so well, I'm just curious how you have gotten everyone else in your gym to know it so well and to also well, be along with at, it. At, at the outset created some, a document to sort of help the coaches put contact on it. Now, so what's really interesting about this is that the older coaches were quickest to older by life, not by years of experience, but older by mm-hmm. life were the easiest to jump into the contextual experience because that makes the most sense to them. Mm-hmm. In other words, as a parent or a homeowner or somebody who's been in business at one point or had a job and got, you know, like whatever, like those life experiences and those life hits that happen to us as human beings, they're able to speak into it and go, hey, this workout is like life. Right, like a practice days is like paying your bills, paying your mortgage, pay, paying your dental insurance. Like you just got it. Like that's part of the deal for this living in modern life. You mm-hmm. you do these little things so that when it's go time, you've got the tool set so that your teeth don't fall out and that you get kicked out of the place that you live in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. So that's the, to me, that's the big, that's the big, um, that's the big piece there. Um, okay. Just as far as like, and then the other part is years of doing it. Now, now the core of our coaching team has been doing it for enough years. Now we've got an internship program and an apprentice program that's really intense. And, and frankly, it scared away 30 coaches. I've interviewed 30 coaches <laughs> over the last couple of years. And most of them scared away by it. Wow. Um, so oh one person could say to me, one, 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 an easy critique of me, which I'm not going to disagree with, is like I'm making it too hard for coaches to come in, which may be the case, and I might need to evaluate that for myself. At the same time, what, I'm, what I need coaches to be is really, really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's this weird, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, yeah, I think that makes sense. Interesting. How long is your internship? As long as it takes. There's different tiers. So you got to be a a full paid member for um, X amount of months, depending on whether you have experience or no experience. But you've got to be, you've got to go through the personal training with a coach. So you have to be assigned a coach. So that's where most trainers go, screw this. I'm not going to be trained by another person. That's the, the, any kind of experienced person is generally going, well, A, I'm coming to you for a job, not to pay for, pay for this thing. Oh, and I sit yeah. going, well, yeah, you got the barrier to enter. Like a lot of industries have apprenticeship programs that you actually pay mm-hmm. for. And the same mm-hmm. would go for here. So you pay as a student, which means be a personal trained client, then a personally, um, you know, then, then be a member of the community. At that point, you can join the, uh, the, the rest of the program. Okay. Interesting. No, I mean, I've heard of other programs like that. I know, like, 
I mean, with, with the Sarah, Sarah, um like Juliet and stuff, they yep. Yep. you have to you have to pay while you're an intern. <laughs> so totally, yeah, totally. Oh, cool. Okay, no, I think that makes sense. Um, and then Kenny, also too, I know that you had also talked about um, CrossFit LA has good balance of systems and creativity. I was just curious, if there are any like awesome systems that you guys have in place that um, you think other affiliates could take away from? Well, I think, I think in general, like the, um, I really, I really do fundamentally appreciate the Mad Lab um, sort of business system because um, mm-hmm. it's something that we're a couple years into right now and it creates a clear um, path for coaches to professionally develop. And to me, I look at the market and I go, you know what, the, um, the, the, it's really critical for, um, the, the coaches to have a path that they can follow to make a living. It's not an easy one, but at least it's defined and there's no ceiling with with this particular platform, which is if I were coming up and coming into a system, I would, to me, this is one that's like, it rewards team play. It rewards individual excellence. And it's a balance of both. And that's what I really, in principle, appreciate about like the, the, the ideology of the, the Mad Lab model is that it it creates um, a no a no ceiling point for any coach uh who's hungry enough to develop a gigantic client base and be a great team player. Like usually it's a great team player that makes you no know, money or great individual player who makes a lot of money who nobody likes who winds up and goes and does their own thing. And that that's like neither of those are great when you're looking at developing teams or individual superstar coaches. So, you know, for me, it's a, it's a great, it's a really fantastic sort of model and idea. And that wraps it up for this episode of Box Talk. If you liked what you heard, or you have an idea of what you'd like to hear, let me know by emailing heather at peakmedia.com, peak spelled P-E-A-K-E. As always, thanks for dropping in. Thank you.